millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I'm Sophie Scott. And I'm James Gill. Our mission is to make wellness accessible to everyone. We'll be chatting with our favourite people. Sharing uplifting news stories. And delivering tips and tricks. To bring balance to your lives. Yes, indeed. Welcome to the Balance Podcast. Thank you very much, as always, for joining us. Episode 10 already. My goodness. Um, It's Mental Health Awareness Week this week. So with that in mind, our guest is the, the wonderful Chloe Brotheridge. Chloe has a new book out called Brave New Girl. You may have enjoyed her first book, um, The Anxiety Solution. I enjoyed it a great deal. And Chloe has the perfect voice for an audiobook about anxiety because it's very soothing. Um, so we talk about her hit first book and also why she's written about bravery. So the idea, I mean, I'm sort of spoiling the episode, so probably the last thing I should do. The idea is that the first book is about anxiety. The second book is about moving on from the anxiety and actually becoming brave. Uh, so Chloe, just such a wonderful person to talk with. The theme of this year's Mental Health Awareness Week is body image. If you'd like to know more, you can you can Google Mental Health Awareness Week. I feel lazy saying that. So the full URL, strap in, it's a long one. So I mean that is I mean that is literally like a carry-on film. I can't believe I said that out loud. Wash my mouth out with soap and then blush enormously when I listen. Oh my goodness. Uh, <laughs> mentalhealth.org.uk slash campaigns slash mental dash health dash awareness dash week. Um, so previous uh, previous topics of Mental Health Awareness Week have included stress, relationships, loneliness, sleep, alcohol, friendship and more. And the theme this week is about body image, something that can affect any of us at any age. Uh, as I say, if you'd like to know more, the website is wonderful and all being well, the Balance team will be dropping more than one podcast this week to mark uh, Mental Health Awareness Week. So uh, hopefully we'll be making that commute uh, that much more pleasurable. Our good news this week sounds like the sort of thing that Al Murray, the pub landlord, would absolutely adore because this comes from ancient Peru and he's all about alcohol. So uh, a new study goes hand in hand with uh, findings from archaeologists and that is that the, the wary people of Peru who had a very successful run from 600 AD to 1100 AD. I'm not saying they were powered by booze, but they had what was essentially an ancient microbrewery. Sounds like I'm making this up, but I'm absolutely not. And what that did was that it brought the people together. So political leaders would sit and socialize and drink 
with the the everyday people of the the the, the wari and they would they would all drink alcohol together so the quote from ryan williams who's an associate curator at the field museum in the united states says we were able to apply new technologies to capture information about how ancient beer was produced and what it meant to societies in the past it was like a microbrewery in some respects it was a production house but the brew houses and taverns would have been right next door so i mean theresa may if you're listening and there's every chance what better way than to relate to the people of britain i mean we're not saying get hammered with everyone but you know invite a few people down a micro a microbrewery at number 10 oh my goodness i'm gonna win the next election if i'm not careful um but i think there is probably something in that isn't there i mean there is the a lot of people do bemoan i mean i'm not a, i don't drink myself but a lot of people do bemoan the uh, the death of the british boozer and the impact that it's probably had on communities because we, we we probably are more isolated than ever i guess the takeaway from this good news if i was going to put a balance uh twist on it i'm not i'm not, not that i'm twisting it or anything but we, we would love to see more community at balance and i suppose in a way that is what we're trying to create with balance is a, a, a sense of community through our social channels through our events sophie and the events team if you're listening maybe maybe we need to get down to a microbrewery and recreate uh, ancient wari beer from peru maybe that's the secret to uh, to bringing us all closer together anyway I, I i might not be a drinker but i i genuinely i a love that story and b think there probably is something in that and it's not about getting drunk it's more about togetherness and to keep the theme of togetherness um our guest now is, is chloe brotheridge the reason why i say that is because if you do suffer from anxiety and I, I think that anxiety is something that we all suffer with at one time or another you're not alone and um that was one of the great things about chloe's first book the anxiety solution um it made you realize that that, that you're not alone and you know we're all in this together so um i hope you get a lot out of this chloe shares lots of tips and advice uh, and as i say her new book is brave new girl so without further ado chloe brotheridge if you ever see me walking down the street, so that's a Dion Warwick song, isn't it? If you ever see me walking down the street and I've got my headphones on, bet your bottom dollar I've got a self-help audio book spinning. Good. So your but your first book was Jesus Wept. I could not have been more the target market. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Are we recording? Yep. Brilliant. We'll keep this in. This is great. The new book, Brave New Girl. What was the what was the inspiration and why Brave New Girl and why not Brave New Everyone? So I. I suspect that lots of men will read it and get a lot from it and 98% of it will apply to men, I would say, as well. Yeah. Um, I mean, please know, as soon as it's an audiobook, I will have it yeah, yeah. <laughs> I can assure you of that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's not it's not to kind of exclude people, but it's really because I know that um, by kind of honing in on a certain um, kind of group of people, I can speak more directly to them. Sure. and. There's a lot of evidence to say that women tend to be more likely to be perfectionists. We tend to be more likely to be people pleasers. Things like imposter syndrome affect slightly more men than women. And that's not to take away from the struggles of men. Men, men do struggle, obviously, and you know, not to take away from that. But um, it has often to do with the way that we're raised as girls and the sense that we're told that we're the nurturers, we're the caring ones. Sure. And, um, you know, if a boy misbehaves, it's more likely to be dismissed as, oh, you know, boys will be, will be boys. Whereas for girls, we're 
we're praised for being pretty, for being perfect. There's this kind of pressure that little girls have that perhaps isn't the same for little boys, which means that, that potentially we grow up with um, slightly different mindset in terms of maybe um, beating ourselves up more or putting certain pressures on ourselves and finding it hard to say no. So that's why it's Brave New Girl. But it's, it's heartbreaking, though. The reason why I was pulling face there is because, I mean, I'm a, I, I'm a father to two girls myself, but but you're right. It, even now, you know, it's... Um, I mean, you say in the book, uh, Disney princesses and being ladylike. I mean, it's, it's kind of mad that in 2019 we're still talking about this sort of thing, isn't it? Right? You know, the, the pressures that girls still feel rather than boys. Mm, yeah, and I think, I suppose, I think things are changing for yeah. little girls now, although it's not you know, complete, but certainly kind of my generation and the generation, you know, younger than me, um, we've still grown up with a lot of a lot of Disney princesses and these sort of expectations. So it's playing out in our adult lives now. Now, anxiety is something that we've obviously written in balance, given what our uh, magazine's about. What, what have you found in your in your own experience in terms of the it, it's a rising it is a it feels like a rising problem, doesn't it, in recent years, anxiety. Um, can you just say a bit there in terms of what you've noticed in terms of it becoming more of an issue and perhaps why? Mm, yeah, so, I mean, the stats definitely seem to say that anxiety is rising and that has partly got something to do with the fact that more people are speaking up about it and seeking help and recognising that it's a problem. I think in the past, perhaps people had anxiety, but just thought they were warriors or just thought they were stressed and now we have more of a, a label for it. Um, I mean, there are so many different reasons for anxiety. It can be different for everyone, but it tends to be a mixture of um, lifestyle, childhood experiences yeah. and life experiences and genetics. And it seems that in terms of our lifestyle, um, we're you know on the go more, we're plugged into technology more, we don't switch off very often. And the pressures of modern life and the kind of the overwhelm, I think, has really had a big impact on people's anxiety levels. Sure. Um, I mean, we've always had you know things from childhood that have you know messed us up, yeah. but it does seem that these kind of day-to-day pressures are increasing the levels. What, what role do you think technology has played uh, when it comes to anxiety? I think we're all a bit in denial about how much of an effect it has. Um, because we're so addicted to our phones, we kind of don't want to uh, admit that it's a problem. Yeah. This is just, you know, my own experience and from other people that I've spoken to. Oh, I mean, you only need to check on your phone to see how many hours a day you spend on your phone or on Instagram to get a bit of a shock. Have you, have you done this The lately? reason why I looked shocked there is because I, I shudder to think what it would say. <laughs> yeah. I've, I'm, I've, I've told myself that I've got better even though I secretly know that I haven't, but um, I mean, it's, I think I think if 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 this whole phone thing, if it gets phased out, or we, you know, there's something happens in the future where we're using it less than we are now, I think we'll look back at this era and shudder with embarrassment. I think so. I think so. Yeah, it's going to be um, interesting to see what people do in the future because it is something that is addictive. I, I read something recently that we we touch our phones two thousand times a day. What? Yes, 2,000 no. times. <laughs> oh, God. Head in hands. <laughs> so, I mean, I mean that, that alone tells you everything about what it's going to do to our 
mental well-being. Have you found that, I know you can't name names, but have you found that with the people that you deal with that technology is playing a part there? Yes, almost everyone Seriously. says that they want to use their phone less. And I, I've worked with quite a few people who use Instagram, for example, for their job. And, you know, often people think it's quite a cushy job, I don't know, being an influencer. But the reality is they're on the go all the time. They're constantly having to, you know, be on their phone on holiday. They never properly switch off. And it, and it does have an impact on their mental health. And that's, you know, before we even get to comparison and fear of missing out and those things that just are made worse by, I think, our social media. And the pressure on those guys as well to get the... Because it's their living, the likes that they... I know you might be listening to this if you're not an influencer, and I'm certainly not. You might be thinking, yeah, whatever. But if those guys aren't hitting their targets, if yeah, you like, yeah. then, they're, then they're going to worry it's game over and all that, aren't they? Yeah, I think Instagram are in um, testing for removing likes so that um, you won't be able to see how many likes a photo has got because of the impact on mental health. That's so nice to hear. There's a, there's also hopefully steps in place to remove the like button from Facebook for people who are still at school uh-huh. because they're getting uh, gratification from how many likes. You know, they're, they're judging their popularity at school mm. based on the number of likes that they're getting. Uh, may I ask, do, is anxiety something... Uh, is it a dragon that you're able to slay or is it something that you will you will always have to manage, do you think? I, I don't like thinking of it as something that we cure because it is actually a normal emotion yeah. and fear, worry, you know, we're all, all going to experience that at some point or another. I think it's something that we manage and we can use it as something to to learn about ourselves. And, it you know, for me, it's connected to my sensitivity and I wouldn't want to slay that dragon um so there's gifts within that that side of me and i use if i start to notice myself feeling overwhelmed for me it's a it's like a warning sign that i'm not taking care of myself more i'm not doing enough of what's important to me i'm not being in nature enough so i think there are gifts in there that we can we can find for for anyone who's uh, overworked that's you know a lot of people are frazzled the hours are longer than ever People have to take lunch breaks and so on. Are there any? Is there any takeaway advice? I know this is in the first book, but is there, is there any takeaway advice for our listeners that they could perhaps use uh, in terms of people who feel, as I say, frazzled? Mm, I think, I think it's a bit of a mindset shift and recognizing that the anxiety is there for a reason and it's showing up because something's not quite right in your life and whether you need to, I don't know, heal things from your childhood or whether you need to make sure you're taking more breaks or talk to someone about how you're feeling, treating it as a, a signal and a, and a teacher that is helping you to make a change rather than what a lot of us sadly do, trying to just sweep it under the carpet or, you know, drink a load of wine or sure. eat a load of um, pasta. That was my pattern um, to try to kind of handle it and actually just to listen to that instead and, and um, make some changes. And also, we're not very good at taking care of ourselves and knowing that it's okay to take care of ourselves and making our mental well-being more of a priority because often work and you know trying to make our way in the world and and these sorts of things can can come first and actually nothing none of that really matters if you don't have your mental health so I think we need to just more and more try and make that a bit more of the priority and that doesn't mean changing your life completely but just those little shifts that we can make around slowing down and building in a bit more time for ourselves. 
And also, the better you feel, the the impact that has on those around you, you know, you are in fact changing the world, aren't you? You know, uh, bit by bit. Yeah, exactly. I think it's often called selfish um, self-care. That's the perception. But actually, you know, our partners and our kids and friends and colleagues are going to benefit if we're in a better place. Can you say a bit about uh, the importance of getting out of your comfort zone in a in such a positive way? Yeah, so I think so much of anxiety makes us want to run away yep. and avoid. And it's no wonder we want to do that because feeling anxious, it feels like your whole body is telling you to run away, which it is. You know, it's the fight or flight response. But when we avoid the things that are really scary or that trigger that response, we're affirming to ourselves that that is dangerous. Sure. So if we're avoiding social situations or avoiding speaking up in a meeting, we're just reminding ourselves, oh, yeah, that is something dangerous I should avoid. What happens when we start to walk towards the thing that we're scared of is that we can retrain our nervous system and teach ourselves, actually, you can speak up in a meeting and you don't die. No matter what happens, you, you don't die. And your nervous system learns this and eventually it starts to call off the alarm and we can start to feel more relaxed and we can start to trust ourselves more. And so it really is about slowly and step by step moving out of our comfort zones and um you know challenging ourselves but being very kind to ourselves in the process you know no matter what happens know that just for giving it a try that is amazing and something to be proud of it's also important to remind ourselves that pretty much everyone suffers from some form of anxiety rather than you can tell I'm speaking from experience rather than thinking that it's our thing or we're we're special in quote marks for for having this it can be quite freeing and liberating to know that we're actually all in a similar boat, aren't we? Definitely, definitely. I think whenever I do a workshop, the the thing that people take away, the most important thing is that they're not alone yeah. because they've heard from other people and they've heard, oh, I, you know, I feel <laughs> exactly the same yeah. way. I worried about that as well. And it's such a freeing thing because it is so isolating when you think that you're uniquely flawed and there's something wrong with you and only you. And I mean, fear is universal. We all experience fear Absolutely. to some degree or another, except for psychopaths. Psychopaths don't experience fear. So nice to find out I'm not a psychopath. Yeah, it's reassuring. <laughs> <laughs> I remember where I was when I found out. Thank you, Chloe. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems. But getting therapy has its own problems, too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and, of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. 
Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Quite a few of the interviews I've done, some of the most talented, some of the biggest stars, if you like, uh, one thing that comes up a lot is this feeling of imposter syndrome. And it's often the people who you or I would assume were the, the, the biggest of A-listers, but they, they suffer from it. I know that's something that you that you cover in your book. Uh, could you sh- share a bit about imposter syndrome and you know maybe what it is and how to overcome it? Yeah, so I think um, Michelle Obama has talked recently about her experiences yeah. of imposter syndrome. So, you know, if that's something that people listening are struggling with. They're not alone and they're in good company. And it tends to show up. I mean, it's more likely to show up in women, but also in men. I think a recent survey I read was 66% of women and 54% of men um, struggle with imposter syndrome. And for people that don't know what that is, it's feeling that you're a fraud, feeling that you have just been lucky this whole time and you've fooled everyone to get to where you are today and you don't actually deserve your success. And yeah, it's just so common and more common in, in successful people, yes. it seems like. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so it's really important to to step back and to recognise what it is about you that helped create your success and helped to get you to where you are today. You know, what is it about you that helped you to have a big group of friends or, you know, get a 2-1 at university or, you know, get to the job that you are today or meet a nice partner instead of just discounting it as being luck um, actually owning that that you have qualities and skills and abilities and, and giving yourself credit for that. And that's just one way that you can start to, to counteract that imposter syndrome. Would you, would you recommend uh, journaling? Are you a fan of that? In, t- in terms of a yeah. way to, of writing it. Something that I'm trying to get back into is is journaling. And I in my experience, I've de- I would definitely say I've got something out of it rather than just mentally going... Oh yeah, I did that, and that was good. But there is something about tangibly writing something out, isn't there? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, lots of people seem to agree on this that it is a different thing to write it out. Something about you know engaging your body, perhaps, or having it in in a solid form in black and white you know, that seems a bit more real than just just thinking. So, because I know some powerful. people think journaling is is again you know this woo woo this expression. I interviewed Dan, Dan Carter. Who, if you're a rugby fan, you would probably agree the greatest rugby player of all time and he talked very passionately about the power of journaling and he's retired now or approaching retirement and he says like some of the newer the younger lads would have their laptop or tablet out whereas he would believe no it's not it's not the same it's got to be a a a pad and pen Is, is that is that something that you personally have got into i i love i love journaling i find it hugely helpful over the years um got loads of notepads um in my cupboards at home full yeah. of loads of rubbish. Um, <laughs> Get out of here. <laughs> wouldn't want to read read back a few years ago. Um, but yeah, I think it's just very powerful. I think we should all have a notepad, you know, have it by the bed just to jot things down before you go to sleep if you're worried, just to offload some of that. You know, that in itself can be powerful or sure. writing down some things that you're grateful for, you know, getting into the habit of that again is another simple thing. It doesn't need to be pages and pages or take up loads of time necessarily. Do you do you do, a, do you do a daily gratitude list? I do it probably every couple of days sure. now. I have gone, gone through phases, definitely, 
of writing down gratitude and writing down goals every day. At the moment, it's every couple of days, and that works for me. How many do you do, if you don't mind me asking? I'll tell you why. The one thing that the Sophie, the editor, and I would disagree... I hope she doesn't mind me saying this, is, is Rhonda Byrne. So I love Rhonda Byrne. Sophie's not so sure. And in one of her books, I think she says you do 10 every day. And by the time you get to, like, day seven, I'm like, blimey, O'Reilly, I'm struggling here. Mm. So is is... Is there a, a rule that you found, you know, is, is three enough or, you know? Yeah, so I, I write about three to five. Oh, um, I already feel happier. And the, I think the trick is to be as specific as possible. Sure. So instead of just saying, oh, I'm grateful for my partner, I'm grateful for my home, get oh, really, really, really specific. And even, you know, getting specific. One thing I heard recently was, I'm grateful for the person that drove the van that t- took the broccoli from the farm to the supermarket oh, so that I great. could... And really getting into the tiny little things the... that you can be grateful for. And it gives you so much more scope to think about different things. And it lends itself to longevity as well. Yeah. Rather yeah. than going, I'm grateful for my wife. Yeah. My house. You know, that's... Because we get numb to that. We don't... It doesn't mean anything if we do the same thing every day. And once it stops meaning something, it loses its power as well, doesn't mm, it? Definitely. Are there, any, um, are there any tips that you could share now for when a listener might be feeling anxious because it's something that it strikes us all and it doesn't have to be giving a presentation it can sometimes come at the most uh seemingly random moments is there anything that you, any tips you could give us uh to help combat that mm, yeah so one thing that i've actually been using myself quite a bit recently is about drilling down to what we're actually feeling in the moment because often we say I'm anxious or I'm stressed that's the common one and saying that we're stressed doesn't really describe what it is that we're actually feeling and there have been a lot of studies into how when we can label our emotions and name the exact emotion that we're feeling that actually it calms us down and it means that we're more able to take appropriate action to to handle that feeling. So there's something that people can Google called the feelings wheel. And it's a kind of rainbow coloured wheel that basically lists every emotion that we can have. And so the practice is to, instead of, you know, saying, oh, I'm feeling stressed, to actually look at the feelings wheel and think, actually, you know what? I'm feeling vulnerable today or I'm feeling disappointed. Or what I'm feeling right now is actually shame. And trying to drill down to, to name the exact feeling that is underneath what we might normally call anxiety or stress. And in doing so, it calms That's us amazing. down. So it's quite to, powerful. By being able to successfully put a proper label on it rather than this potentially scary umbrella term, mm, you're yeah. actually unable, you're, you're able to peel the layers away and therefore... Oh, that's good, isn't it? Yeah. Is that your invention? Not my invention. Take the credit. No, no. <laughs> yes, my idea. Um, could you say a bit as well about the the, the power of uh, saying no? Because I know that's something that you, you touch on. Um, I know if you if you're a freelancer, something that I hear a lot. If you're freelance, you say yes to literally everything, which seems like a great idea. But then when you're phoning in sick because you're frazzled, in the long term. You're actually doing yourself damage, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. So I think yeah, it's very common amongst freelancers because we believe that the work will dry up or people won't want to work with us if we say no. But that's just not true. Yeah. We get ourselves into such a fear, fearful mindset, and we're not going to be good to anyone if we end up burning out or resenting the work that we're doing or cancelling at the last minute um, or something like that. So you know, it's much better to 
I often say to people, if you don't feel like you can say no um, in the first instance, maybe say to them, I'll get back to you, let me have a think about that and just give yourself a bit of space to consider, you know, if you're put on the spot, take, take yourself away and think about, do I really want to do this? And feel into what, what actually does a yes feel like in your body what does that feel like when you really want to do something That's and what brilliant. does a no feel like yeah and and we're not very good we're not very tuned in to what that actually feels like because yeah, we're yeah. so used to just saying yes i'll do it without thinking about Please it pick me, don't pick someone else. yeah yes, yeah yeah freelance mindset definitely so <clears throat> would you recommend sleeping on it in terms of being able to gauge which way you're feeling so you could you could sleep on it and sometimes i suggest that people ask their subconscious to, to think about the, the right solution or the right answer overnight because our minds are actually quite good at, at doing that. The thing I've got obsessed about, <clears throat> some of our regular listeners will be rolling their eyes because they know what I'm about to say here, is this topic of, of gut and intuition. Uh-huh. What is it about What is it about our gut and intuition that is so good? Because we've all got moments in our life, even if you're you know, woo-woo as people say, or even if you're super scientific, there have been times where we've all listened to our gut. For whatever reason, our gut has been absolutely spot on. What Do you know what's going on there exactly? Good question. Good question. I don't think anyone knows for sure. I mean, the gut has a lot of neurons. And sure. it's said that the gut is telling us about, you know, previous experiences. Um, I heard something, someone once describe it, that fear shouts and intuition whispers. And so if we want to tune into the intuition, we should listen out for the whisper or the nudge rather than the screaming, shouting fear. And I should that's get that tattooed to... on my wrist. Yeah. <laughs> it's so, it is an unusual thing, though, isn't it? Yeah. Because there have been times where everything in theory should be saying that you take decision X, but your gut is saying you take decision Y, and then you look back and your gut was... Mm. It... Or what is your heart saying? You know, people sometimes listen to their heart, don't they? Heart, brain, gut... So when I listened to your first book, I felt you and I were quite similar. And now I've met you in person, a lot of the things that you're saying resonate even harder. So it's it's even lovelier to have, to, to have met you in person. One thing that I really relate to, and I at the time I definitely thought I was the only one, was this this what-if thinking. So when you wrote about that, it was... I could, I could have sunk to my knees and kissed the floor like the Pope. Because um, <laughs> what, I, what I used to do, and I, I, feel I've, I feel I've got better... Well, what if what if that happened? And then if that happened, then they'd think that. And then if they thought that, well, blah blah blah. And let's say I, I was in work on the Monday. I might have spent the whole weekend. To, I mean, welcome to my twenties, by the way. I've spent the whole weekend torturing myself, and then you go into the office, and it's all in your head, isn't mm. it? Um, can you say? So I know because I've read the book, but can you? I know a lot of people do suffer with this "what if" yeah. mindset. Um, is there anything you can uh, suggest there for people who end up? meandering down those uh, mental boulevards Mm, okay so the question to ask yourself is what if it goes right and to start to get into the habit of imagining future situations going as you want them to go rather than the worst case scenario so if you imagine how your Monday will go if it's going really well and you're feeling confident and you're feeling relaxed and you're even enjoying your commute um, and really, you know, playing a movie in your mind of that experience instead of imagining the the emails and the meetings and dreading it, just starting to let your imagination go to what, what you know, what if Monday was really good? What if I had a great day? Because it's just counteracting that natural tendency that the human mind has to 
think the worst because historically, you know, being prepared for danger would have kept us safe. And yet in our modern times, we don't we don't need that so much because we're not going to die, you know, hopefully on a Monday, um, <laughs> no, but, you know, even if it is a horrific commute. Um, so just starting to, yeah, imagine things going as we want them to go instead. And what's tricky in a lot of instances is it's in our DNA, isn't it? Because if you're if you're parents were in southern therapy i'm blaming my parents but if your parents were natural warriors and that you know maybe theirs were so you're, you're almost trying to change history aren't you and that that can i mean i've likened it to turning an oil tank around i think my advice to any listener would be that this thing can these sort of things can take years can't they it's not a you're not going to have this cracked in a week you know mm. it, it, it might take a long long time yeah i think it's a it's a process um but just because we've got anxious parents, for example, doesn't necessarily mean that we're going to be stuck with having anxiety. There is, it seems, a genetic aspect. Sure. And we do obviously learn things from our parents, but we can unlearn them and we can change. And one of the most amazing things for me has been um, with having a meditation practice, realising how much I've been able to step back from thoughts and not get carried away from with them. So I might still have you know, a negative thought about myself or a what if, but I'm so much more able because I've trained my mind with meditation to step back from that and think, oh, I'm having that thought. Okay, I can choose to let let that go and focus on something else. So we can train our minds to to overcome that side of it. Uh, Chloe, um, I know sleep is something that you've written about. I know it's something that uh, obviously impacts everyone. Um, For those people who, who can't sleep due to anxiety are there any tips for last thing at night when the brain is going at 100 miles an hour i think i mean it's the classic thing that i'm going to recommend but no one wants to do and it's not using your phone before bed totally and i'm um, downstairs now do it's you a, oh, yeah yeah honestly, and, game changer i mean it seems radical to get a an old school alarm clock and actually to use that and um i really recommend people people doing that because it just removes that temptation to check your phone in the night or you know first thing in the morning and that sort of thing and I mean the thing that I mentioned earlier about writing things down before bed you know to brain dump to offload worries and thoughts but I mean what what you're doing during the day is going to make an impact on how you sleep if you are frantic during the day you're going to have a more hectic night of sleep or find it hard to unwind so you know the practices throughout the day are going to make an impact on what you're doing in the evening would you um sophie if you listen to this i would i would never do such a thing would you recommend taking your work email off your phone um i mean is that a possibility for most people if it is then then go for it i think a lot of people would say it was impossible to do that but I think, I think my, the I, expectation of, of workplaces has got to change. I think there's a bigger issue of being expected to work through lunch and be at your desk from nine till six. And I think we need to change the culture of... Do, is, is there any hope there? Because a lot of... I feel like a lot of companies are almost posturing when it comes to, oh, we care about well-being and, and wellness. But whether it's actually being carried out or not, I'm, I'm not entirely convinced. It seems that people work longer than ever and you know as I say work through lunch hour do companies need to be a bit more accountable well I think I mean because people are having so much time off with workplace stress and mental illness is you know the biggest reason people have time off work I think for that reason alone they've got to 
you know, wake up to this fact that actually we're more productive when we work less. We don't become more productive by being at our desk for longer amounts of time. And happiness and productivity are linked as well. So being happy and, and not so overworked is going to make better sense, you know, in terms of our output. So, I mean, I hope things are changing. I gave a talk at a workplace recently and suggested that people, you know, take a lunch break. And the HR director was in the, the meeting and she gave me a bit of a look of... <laughs> Really, a bit of like, hmm, what are you, what are you suggesting? <laughs> they worried that a revolution was about to take place. Well, maybe that too many people are going to be taking lunch breaks or something. Um, before we go, is there is there is there a, a takeaway tip? Say, if I listen to a podcast, I'm invariably on a train or a tube. Is there a a, a little tip? If someone's got the headphones on, they're on public transport. Something that they can do every day to uh, perhaps start the day on the on their way into work. Uh, an exercise or the like yeah definitely so belly breaths so so simple breathe into your belly relax your stomach and let your belly expand on the in breath so that you're taking really nice deep breaths and it has a a calming effect on your nervous system Um, another thing i like to suggest is that people take themselves off to the loos at work and shake i'm a big fan of shaking shaking your whole body vigorously because it's helps us to get rid of some of that stored tension that we just hold on to and it just builds throughout the day and it can burn off a bit of adrenaline so don't do that on the tube necessarily but maybe in the lose i tell you what if you do that on the tube though you definitely get your own seat yeah <laughs> now regular listen- listeners will know that i do go off on a very relevant tangent sometimes i was in the supermarket the other day chatted with a random chap in the queue for 10 minutes is a lie, but maybe five full minutes. And I walked out of the supermarket and I felt 10 feet tall. I felt like I'd made this connection with this guy who I'll probably never see again in my life. But I think there's there's something so profound about those moments. And that's something that's touched, touched on in the book about the power of community. Um, I think community is something that a lot of us feel passionately about, but probably don't do anything about. Um, can you say a bit about, about that? Because it's such a... I'm, I'm, get quite emotionally thinking about it. but it's such a beautiful thing isn't it community absolutely and it, we're really lacking it in our modern lives we're so connected you know digitally but in real life you know loneliness particularly amongst young people yeah. is so the rates are so high and when it comes to our our confidence and our anxiety levels we need in-person connection and we need to know that we're not alone and to be able to share things with other people and so I really encourage people to um, try to, to get out there and, and meet other people and connect. And, and one thing I've uh, been to quite a few of recently is, is kind of sharing circles. And these might sound very scary on first uh, thought. Yes. But they're incredibly, you know, powerful and beautiful. And, you know, you can find hundreds, definitely in London or probably all over the country, I'm sure, on Meetup or Eventbrite. And it might be a women's circle, it might be a men's circle, just a general sharing circle. And often there is a theme. So it might be, I don't know, I went to one recently, it was talking about shame. Yeah. And there'll be someone facilitating. And you kind of go around the circle and everyone shares different experiences about this topic. And it's amazing, you know, to hear from other people, to be able to share, to be kind of witnessed in what you're experiencing and what you're going through. And you just get to these deeper connections with people and having these deeper conversations that we don't necessarily get by the photocopier at work. Sure. And, you know, there's something really, you know, particularly about shame, about speaking it out loud and um, being met with acceptance from other people. 
um, that is so healing for us. And in terms of anxiety, being able to speak it wow. you know, is so, so powerful. That must be a really powerful... Yeah, I was going to say, that must be a remarkable thing to witness and to be in that room as well, I guess. Definitely, definitely. It was amazing. So if someone's listening now, how, do, how would they find out about a sharing? Is it literally going to Google and... Google, Google. Um, a friend of mine runs runs something called Sister Stories, and I think it's sisterstories.co. Um, but if you just look on Meetup, or as I said before, Eventbrite, um, for sharing circles, then you will find tons. So the, fir- the first book has been a hit. The second one will, will be a hit. By the way, I wanted to ask you, I, I thought this on the way here, because the first book was so all-encompassing, and, I, and as someone who... Uh, has had his anxiety issues I felt that book nailed it so brilliantly was there a fear of how, how on earth do you top something so what was essentially perfect the way you'd nailed anxiety thank you for saying that that's lovely um, I felt like with, with Brave New Girl it's almost like the se- the second step the next step you know you've you've worked some somewhat on your anxiety and you're ready to actually go out into the world more and be a bit bolder and speak up and um, grow your confidence. So for me, this is like the next phase of the the journey to to overcoming anxiety and um, growing your confidence. It all makes sense. Forget forget the Marvel Cinematic Universe. This you're you're, you're building a whole new audience. <laughs> so the first book was more about overcoming the anxiety. I'm doing a hand action here. The second book is then taking the next step to be to actually be be braver. Mm. So please please, what's what's phase three? <laughs> Don't don't ask me that. Don't ask me that. I need to recover from. <laughs> I need to cut, recover from writing this one first. Sorry. Don't want to think Maybe about it's it. It's a trigger mild PTSD. There. <laughs> um, but yeah, so look, you're singing to the choir here. So surely, t- surely TV, the Chloe Brotheridge anxiety themed TV show, is that? Is, do I not? Do I sound like your PR here? <laughs> but is that not? Can you be my manager and, I would, and sort it out? I'd be your honestly, Chloe. I'd be your manager in a heartbeat. Have you, have you, are you pitching that sort of thing? Because that feels like, given the way the first book felt like it was filling such a gap in the market, mm. surely, if there's a TV producer listening, does this, this all of this surely lends itself to a, a, a TV show? Yeah, I mean, I have had various conversations over the last couple of years. I think with TV things, things, you know, there's lots of ideas, but then not a lot of it actually goes to, to production, but I'm totally open to it, so... I'm, I'm uh, going to be writing that in my goals, in my in my journaling, definitely. Have you have you found? Um, I'm not asking you to share anything private. Have you found uh, the goals thing have come to fruition? Yes, yes. I went through a phase of writing down goals every single day, quite specific things about wanting to be published in certain newspapers and um, wanting to speak at certain events, and a lot of Being them on the did, did happen. Yeah, no, it's a dream come true. <laughs> Yeah, so I do think there is something to writing things down because, not because necessarily, I mean, manifesting might be real, the secret, um, but also what is happening is we start to look out for the um, opportunities more when those goals are front of mind. So we write them down every day. We're thinking, right, I really want to be in this newspaper. And then when we happen to, to meet someone from that newspaper, that goal is front of mind. So we're able to take action on that opportunity so sure. there's a reason why, you know, a lot of successful people, you know, no, Tony Robbins would, would probably say, write your goals down every day. Um, I think that's why. 
Well, I mean, there's the very famous Jim Carrey story, isn't there, about the, oh, yes. the $10 million yeah, check. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Katy Perry, when she was a child, had she'd written down her uh, goals and then she's achieved... You know, there are yeah. there are examples of people who've yeah. absolutely nailed these. I went, free, I went freelance about three years ago and I'm a big Richard Wiseman fan. Episode two, three? And um, I wrote a list of goals and I've revisited those and it, it is amazing that things that... As long as you're not... As long as I can't... You know, I'm not going to put down grow dreadlocks because that's never going to happen but as long as they're attainable yeah it is it, it is profound isn't it the things that happen yeah and i think we should um give ourselves permission to to dream and to let our minds explore what is possible and there's no harm in in writing it down you know no one has to read it so may as well you know set your sights on what you want so what, one last thing um one thing that doesn't help with anxiety for me personally is coffee. Where, where do you stand on caffeine? What's your What's your take on that? Because if, if there's one thing I know that I should knock on the head, it's certainly a, a coffee after, say, 11am. How big a part is that playing in uh, anxiety in today's society? I mean, I have had clients who have come to me with anxiety and then I ask them how much coffee they drink and they say, oh, seven, seven a day. And don't really realise that that could be having an impact. I think I mean, we've got a... huge impact, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Well, it definitely was for her. I mean, <laughs> everybody is different and we've got to sure, just listen to our own bodies. I personally don't drink coffee. Um, Do you not? Because it just makes me jittery. Yeah. So, you know, you listen to your own body and experiment with it. You know, try cutting it down or cutting it out and see what the results are. And if it doesn't make any difference to you, then rock on. But if it does, then try to listen to what your body is telling you. Are you are you an anxiety Jedi now? If you, you know, is there nothing that causes anxiety? Are you able to just uh, palm these things away as soon as you see them coming on the horizon? Um, that would be a nice idea, but um, no, I wouldn't say I'm at quite a Jedi level. Definitely aiming for that. I've put you on a pedestal today. Um, <laughs> it's funny because I've, I've written a book about Brave New Girl, but actually, you know, I feel scared quite a lot. And it's not about not feeling fear and not feeling worry it's about what you do with it and um i've found through doing things like challenging myself to to go outside of my comfort zone i've been able to teach myself that i can trust myself and, and be confident and um you know so many people that we look at and think they must be really calm and confident all the time actually aren't i read recently that adele projectile vomits before some of her performances so you know, no matter how, you know, calm or, or self-assured someone can seem, they can still be internally freaking out. And I find that quite comforting because, you know, as human beings, we're, we're going to get scared. We're going to doubt ourselves. That's just human nature. No offence to Adele, but given, uh, I mean, how much I love Adele, it's so nice to hear, and, and, and that sounds terrible, <laughs> that one of the greatest singers who's ever lived and one yeah. of the most beloved superstars on the face of the planet, if someone as wonderful as Adele goes through something like that, there is something that sounds terrible, doesn't it? But we're just glad that she. <laughs> that is, please, Adele, if you listen, that's the last thing. Though, but there's, there's something oddly comforting in someone so talented and amazing as her that goes through that. Um, mm. I interviewed Chris Hemsworth for the for the April issue of, of Balance, and and as someone yeah. as successful as as Chris to talk about anxiety, um, I mean that's that's. It makes the world feel that much smaller, doesn't it? Definitely. I think we all, again, want to know that we're not alone and it's okay to to struggle. It's okay to feel scared. It just makes you human. It doesn't mean that you're any less. Um, I think it is reassuring. 
uh, Chloe, thank you, thank you very much. And as someone who enjoyed your, oh, by the way, when's the audio version out of the second one? Um, same day as the book. It's all done and dusted, recorded, and yeah, second of May. Thank you very much. Uh, that that was wonderful. Thanks a lot, Chloe. And I would say good luck. You, you don't need it. This will be another smash hit. Thank you so much for having me. Thank Thanks you. a lot, Chloe. Thank you. Huge thanks to the the lovely Chloe Brotheridge. Wouldn't you like that soothing voice uh, just to calm you down? Oh, it, I mean, to be fair, it's out on audiobook, so, I mean, you, you can have it. No! And that's my daughter. Well, it's a good time to go. I'll we'll be back. Can next... I speak, speak on the mic? Go on, what do you like to say? This is this is self-indulgent. When a, if, a, if a pop star does something with his children, I'm I the first, have to speak on first me. person to cringe. Go on, then. Papa! Brilliant, thanks. I mean, that's just wonderful. I wouldn't mind, but she's 27. Um, any feedback? Podcast why app? speaking to I mean, this is unprofessional. Daddy, why speaking to Mommy, let me just finish this. Podcast at balance.media. Sales inquiries. Right, when you've quite finished. Sales inquiries. Sales at balance.media. So any feedback? Okay, Jemima, that's enough. Any feedback? podcast at balance.media sales sales maybe get you know we'll, we'll make enough money where i can build an office <laughs> away from the uh, three and a half year old uh, we'll be back soon thank you very much we're very grateful bye hi i'm daniel founder of pretty litter did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain i learned this the hard way after losing my cat gingy so i created pretty litter a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 